The following episode was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and the sustainable way of life carried out on this continent for tens of thousands of years. There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. It's the rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say... The will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Climactic, your podcast for these climactic times. I'm your host for this episode, Mark Spencer, and today we're looking back on the global school strike for climate. When, in over 100 countries around the world, school students went on strike from school to protest their government's lack of action on climate change. I was here in Melbourne at our school strike for climate, where we had a record-breaking 50,000 people in attendance. You'll hear recordings from the day, of speeches made, of live entertainment, of the feeling in the air as the event was about to get underway. You'll also hear interviews with people on the street about what they feel like taking part in the strike, and what's happened since this record-breaking worldwide event. And just quickly, Here's a little sample of how the message might be starting to finally break through. For the sake of all of us earthlings out there, just wanted to say. We love the earth, it is our planet. So here we go, back to March 15th, to the steps of the old treasury building in Melbourne, with an acknowledgement of country from traditional owner, Uncle Dave. Fighting for their country, fighting for their mother. I paid my respects to all other Aboriginal people who are gathered here today, their ancestors and their elders. I pay my respects to Bunjil, who gave us the laws to care for this country, which has been ignored for far too long. And we need to start thinking and listening to the country and listening to the laws of my ancestors, because we've had climate change before and we'll have climate change again. But the Aboriginal people who never ceded their land in this country survived those climate changes before. We survived colonisation. We'll survive the next climate change. But we can't survive it by ourselves. And I am really impressed by the amount of people that are out here today. This is the largest crowd I've ever been. Because it is only by being together and showing the strength that I can see and I can actually feel the power of us as people to direct our government to do the right thing and make sure that we have a future, not only for all of us standing here today, but for my children and your children and my grandchildren and your grandchildren and for all the future generations to make sure that we exist and continue to exist. Wamindjika, Wurundjeri Bek, welcome to Wurundjeri country. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So, past guest to the show, Anthony, we're here on the Stepsfield Treasury Building, and you've had a very busy morning already. We're still like an hour away from the strike, but you've been doing stuff since earlier this morning. How's your morning been? Oh, it's been all right. Woke up at about 8 o'clock to a nice text saying, uh, would you like to appear on 3AW? And for your viewers out there, well, listeners who don't really know what 3AW is, it's the very conservative radio channel. I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by our good mate, Neil Mitchell, who is quite an experienced radio commentator and you know I got sent a list of questions through asking you know why are you striking how many people do you expect to come do you think this is an example of a generational divide actually on the list uh, to which he didn't ask any of those it went on to a long uh, talk about do I know the cost of transitioning to 100% renewable by 2030 what is Australia's place in this how much is basically starting to quote the IPA and all these other institutions with somewhat outdated reports on the issue. He was trying to have an economics chat with you. He was trying to have an economics chat and a general policy chat too, but he's asking an 18-year-old suddenly on the fly with no pre-preparedness, whether or not he knows off by heart the data on how to transition and the cost. Would you say that's like pretty much the uh, definition of a straw man kind of argument? He's trying to put you up just to fill you full of holes? Exactly. Yeah, definitely a bit of a straw man there. So we're here on the steps, though. We're you know, like we're among our people now, you know, rather than appearing on 3AW. And how do you how do you feel now? I feel very welcomed here, actually. No, it's nice. We've got all of the uh, marshals lining up, having their brief. We've got other students here getting together. So we've got ones who are going to start marching. But the organisers here, we're starting to talk, getting it sorted. You can can't see this right now, but the stage is being lifted up after being finished built, is being taken over to where it needs to be. Drummers are testing their kit. It's activity, there's motion, and we're starting to get ready for this entire event. Fantastic. How, how good is it to have live music here? Oh, mate, it's awesome. I didn't happen at the last one, but get a bit more energy going on, keep everyone entertained. It's a fun environment. It's glad to see it keeps staying fun. Uh, I'm Evan Van Veen. I'm here from Friends of the Earth. And Evan, you'll be a marshal today, so what does that mean? I guess for pretty much just to make sure it all goes well and guide everyone along and keep the energy up, that kind of thing. <laughs> so you'll be kind of marching around like the periphery, you'll be creating kind of like a like a sort of partition around the march as it goes down the streets. Yeah, pretty much bang on. Well, do, do you feel any kind of sense of responsibility or anything? Or is it just cool to get to be here with like a clearly defined job? Yeah, it's mainly just really cool because like otherwise I'd just kind of be in, in the crowd, not, you know, just like with like a thousand other people. Just feels pretty cool just to be like a part of it, I guess, hey? And it's a very snazzy vest. It's a very snazzy vest, yeah. <laughs> So I'm Dave Kerrin, I'm from the Earth Worker Cooperative and uh, yeah, we're here to support the students. We think that they're taking the right action in striking. I suppose it's their introduction to, to social action but um, there's a long history of it where the youth come out, sometimes the old know too much and it immobilises them. The youth can break through uh, some of the, the obvious problems we're facing around climate emergency. So 100% support from the Earth Worker Cooperative. What do we think is going to happen after this strike? Do we, do we expect this might be a moment where like the dam starts to break a little bit? Yeah, look, I, I think this momentum is going to build. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm a couple of years off 70, and what happened in the late 60s and early 70s, I can, I can see the same thing 
beginning to go down now uh, around the climate emergency because we the kids are right we just don't have time now we, we've got to stop playing games we've got to get on with making the, the the big structural changes that we need to make here and globally if we're going to deal with the emergency thank you very much dave when I was a kid, I didn't have the... There wasn't the movement to, like, get behind stuff like this, and I always felt like I was the only one. And now I get to see this generation kind of rising up, and they're, like, really excited, and they're really organised, and they're really motivated. And I'm just like, hell yeah, kids. <laughs> this is Briar, a young woman from AYCC, or the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. It was me being here as well, both of us probably, like, you know, mid-20s-ish, like... It's this kind of awkward period for us, like, how, how do we support the kids but not co-opt them? I understand there's, it's, it's a big, it's a hard thing to unravel. How have you kind of approached that and what are you sort of careful not to do, but what do you feel comfortable doing? Um, I think it's about making a space where they can have their voices heard without trying to talk over them or, like, tell, talk to other people about what you think they want. Um, and so we've just been trying to, like, facilitate them as best as we can just to kind of get them out there and and saying what they need to say and helping them, you know, deal with adults and deal with politicians. Yeah. When, when the youth movement like this asks for help with something and you're able to provide it, that's, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. And, and that's what, so you're, you're sort of with AYCC, and I know that there's been a whole fracas in the media of being like, ah, oh, AYCC is driving the strike. So do you want us to speak to that directly? Because I know, I, I know personally that's, that's not the case at all. Um, yeah, so what we've been trying to do is use our resources to help support the kids, but we haven't ever directed them or told them what to do. We haven't told them what days to strike on. We haven't even told them to strike. They've come to us and they've made it clear that that's something that they want to do. Um, and so we've just been helping with them with that as best we can um, and giving them, like, meeting spaces and like, things to paint with, you know. <laughs> that's fantastic, and th thank you so much for AYCC being able to do that. I'm so grateful that the organization exists and there's people like you in it, like empowering stuff like this, which is great. So what's something that we can do that, that's on us and not just in support of the kids? Um, I think the, our biggest thing that we're going to work on after helping the kids with the, the school strike is going to be working on the federal election. So just making sure that everyone's aware of the voter issues surrounding it and that we're going to make it, you know, the climate election, um, which I think the ACF and other orgs are already using. So just making sure that we kind of bring that to the forefront of the public's mind because we've got like 11 years, so we need to get on it as soon as we can. And it, we're lucky to have a federal election, you know, by May or something. So, yeah. Yeah, the timing couldn't be better. And to take nothing away from the kids, it's incredible what they've done, striking from school, having that courage and everything. But I, I'm kind of jealous of them, right? I'd much rather go out and strike from school than, yeah, doing door knocking. But it, it is what has to be done. And I'm really excited about the federal election as well. <laughs> Any kind of final thoughts about the strike or your hopes for the day, what it, what it feels like to be here right now on the steps of the old treasury building? <laughs> it's very powerful. I think the amount of young faces is very inspiring. Um, and I'm very excited to... I'm going to be running the AYCC Twitter today, so I'm very excited to kind of help kind of elevate their voices and get that out there. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. I wish I could do this every Friday. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, it won't be great when we don't have to anymore, but um, <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Briar. Thank you. <laughs> so I think that gives a pretty good sense of where people's thinking was at before the strike began in earnest. There's a lot of thinking about the upcoming election, of course, especially from the adults I spoke to. The young people, of course, were really excited. They were so amazed so many people had turned out. So now here's a sense of what went on 
on the Treasury Building steps. Thank you so much, Uncle Dave, for that welcome to country. And we'd just like to acknowledge how massive this crowd is, everyone! It's so empowering to be surrounded by so many young people who care so deeply about an issue that affects us so much. We want to acknowledge that it's a privilege to be here. Not everyone is so lucky that they get to stand up and oppose their government's inaction. We'd like to shout out to all of the people from fossil fuel areas and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who couldn't make it today. We'd also like to tell you that today is the global strike and there are over 1,300 strikes happening today all around the world in over 100 countries! Okay, so our first load of speeches are going to be from some really incredible kids. They are the people that kick-started the school strike movement in Australia. Please welcome Malou, Callum and Harriet all the way from Castlemaine. Hi, uh, we're Callum, Malou and Harriet and we're from Castlemaine. <laughs> we started the school strike movement last year in Australia when we heard of Greta Thunberg in Sweden striking for better climate action. Australia is even more run, vulnerable to climate impacts than Sweden, so we knew we needed better climate action as well. This is our future that the politicians are destroying, and it's not fair. Hi, everyone. I'm Malou. We began striking with our friends around Castlemaine. Then this spread to the huge strike in November and now an even bigger one this year. Wherever you are from, whatever your age, you are here because you believe, like us, that a more sustainable world is possible and desirable. We're all here today because we know that everything has to change and that we're willing to be a part of that change. Thank you. Hello, my name is Harriet and I'm also from Castlemaine. I've often had people tell me to count my blessings, appreciate what I have, and feel lucky that I'm living on such a beautiful planet. They tell me it will make me feel better when I'm having a tough time. But when I think of all my blessings, it just makes me want to cry. This is because I love life. I love my family and friends, and I love the beautiful natural world, and I love all the other creatures and animals. And losing those things is the scariest and most heartbreaking thing I can possibly think of. It is my greatest fear, and I know that climate change could make that fear a reality very, very quickly. But we cannot let fear stop us from action, as it has stopped our leaders. We will fight this climate emergency, and we will win, but only if we fight it together. I think doing this together is the most important aspect of the school strike movement because as individuals we may be weak but together our collective voice is very strong and powerful. If you can, would you take the hands of the people on either side of you and lift them in the air so that we can show our politicians and leaders just how strong and powerful we are. Why is she laid off? 
for the flesh and blood. Clean out the dirt and the mud. Show them to the thought of being who I'm with. The woman that I can love. The right love. Good man, the king lied to a good man. The white cat living without. So he can for a second heart to be bitten next to his stone star. Thinking I'm some fucked by the white boy. That was eight-year-old Elijah, a member of the Pacific Island community in Melbourne. And what you're about to hear is one of the most touching parts of the whole day for me. for you. 
This planet is ours. It belongs to me. It belongs to you. It belongs to us. Each and every one of us has a voice. And today we're using it to unite as one. This is our home and it's not being taken care of. So it's time we step up to take care of it ourselves. that today young kids as little as eight years old from all over the world are striking. The younger generation has been forced to think about how they're going to survive. They've been forced to think about what they'll have to do to ensure that they can live a safe and normal life when they're older. This is their childhood. To all the adults in the audience, I want to I wanna have you think about what your childhood consisted of. How was your childhood like? Did your childhood involve you thinking about how you'll survive in a world where temperatures and sea levels are rising? The rate of natural disasters will be accelerating? Did you feel so uncertain about your future that you had to strike? It's funny how the world works. If scientists were to say they found a cure for cancer, you will listen to them. But when scientists say that Climate change is real and we need to act now. You choose to ignore them. You need to pick a side. You either believe in science or you choose to ignore it. You cannot accept only the facts that benefit you. You cannot cherry pick data. Scott Morrison, with all due respect, perhaps it'd be a good idea to update your scientific knowledge. In fact, why don't we switch roles for a day? You go to school while we'll take care of your office. I think that's a good idea. Australian leadership is currently failing us, and young people are sacrificing what they love to protect their future. That goes to show that this generation is brave, it's strong, it's courageous, and most importantly, it's hopeful. We will not back down until we get what we want. Only having 12 years to lower carbon emissions by 50% isn't going to be easy, but we don't care because it needs to be done. In order to see any kind of change, you need to take the first step. I'd rather sacrifice a day in my education today to demand action on climate change than have my kids' school be canceled due to a heat wave or any other natural disaster. I want you to take a moment to look around you. Look at all the people gathered here today. It's not just us in this fight. This is happening in over 100 countries in the world today. This is only the beginning, this is not the finale, and that is why we're here, and that is why we rally. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you very much. I, mean, I think the issue is, is a lot of people feel that, that their, their gut feeling is, is their own. And an event like this gives people an enormous amount of power to feel that they're not strange, that they should be concerned and that others share that concern. 
and that together they can actually achieve an enormous amount. So I, uh, I, I think particularly as many people haven't been on rallies or demonstrations before, this will significantly change the confidence of the climate movement in relation to addressing climate change. Because a lot of the experiences we're drawing on from the community of past protest and striking experiences has been the Vietnam War, and that's it's a generation that's phasing out. Some of uh, one of my colleagues, and he said last time he was either it was either Vietnam War or it was an anti-nuclear demonstration. People haven't done this in this way, and it's a really important part of people's experience because it's quite nerve-wracking initially going to your own first demonstration, and now together taking it as a school group uh, is a way that they can do it with confidence and learn so much. What was sort of the most powerful to you moment from the day? Well, to, to be honest, is the volume of people. Um, and, and watching in my, my area, which is Kuyong, trying to get on the train, leaving the station. It's a large school district, but basically the trains were totally full of students. And, uh, and those students have all got parents and they've all got grandparents. And the question is, is can they actually pass that message through to their parents and grandparents to say, don't leave me with this liability? It's unfair. You guys have enjoyed it. You've had a great time. Why am I being made responsible for cleaning up your mess? Why don't you get on board with cleaning up your own mess? Have you heard any kind of pushback from the schools in Kuyong? Has there been any kind of an anti-message about the school I'll, strike? Well, look, you know, I think the answer is there were some obviously different views from different parents as to whether it was appropriate uh, or not. Um, my own view is the learning experience is going to be so valuable that they won't get this. This is a real prac. It's, it's, a, it's a, a life prac which they'll carry forever. And you don't know when in society we're going to need this. So I think they were wrong to, uh, if, if they were, in essence, discouraging people from going, then, uh, then that's unfortunate because people will carry these experiences forever and it'll make the nation stronger rather than weaker. Well, I think we're in danger of being left off the back of, okay. this, of the march at the moment here. You better, you better head, head off then. So, Chloe... <laughs> you're, you're well practiced on this question now. I hear this is not the first time you've been asked it today. Do you think this, this strike will make a difference? I think it will make a difference, yeah, because you've got all the kids here who have parents and have got grandparents and friends, and obviously if they're letting their kids come to this, they're going to be voting for climate change and questioning their MPs, all of, all of the party's MPs, on what their climate policy is. And I just feel like, I used to feel like I was the only one that really cared, and coming and seeing this, it shows that something is actually happening, and it's really heartwarming. It's really amazing, yeah. So I know you're volunteering at the ACF, you're volunteering at Oxfam, you're also doing a full course load and working, but is this the first kind of protest you've been along to? It has, yeah. I haven't been to a protest before, so it's really interesting. It's, it's actually been really fun as well, like doing all the chants and singing along. Yeah, it's been good. I work for the Australian Religious Response to Climate Change. I'll just show you my T-shirt. It's on my back. I've had to turn it around backwards. <laughs> See there? It says, killing the planet is against my religion. I saw the T-shirt. I knew that was you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so today we've got people from the Brunswick Uniting Church, from, uh, we've got a group of, of concerned Buddhists here, we've got people from the Uniting Church Synod, which is their main organising body for the Uniting Church across the state in uh, Victoria and Tasmania. Yeah, we've got people here from, we've had, we had a bishop with us earlier today from the Anglican Church, the Uniting Church minister out marching, presentation sister from uh, one of the Catholic orders, uh, sisters. Uh, so, yeah, a solid turnout from people of all faiths who really care about the climate emergency. Now it's like, let's support these kids, right? Mm. They're asking for three simple things. They're asking to stop the Adani coal mine. They're asking to stop all new, no new coal, oil or gas projects in Australia and to, and to get to 100% renewables by 2030. 
people can say it's difficult or it's unrealistic. Well, what's not realistic is the alternative, like trying to defy the laws of physics because you care more about the laws of politics. That's not going to work. Were you really yeah. like impressed with the turnout? Oh, absolutely. It's 10 times the last strike. So 50,000, I think. That's what the police are saying. Wow. From, you know, 50,000. 50, yeah. Um, during the march, I think. Oh, wow. um, so we're going to go with that number. We're not 100% sure, but, you know, that's the official number from the police. So we're going to roll with that. <laughs> so you're saying 50, not 15? No, 50,000. <laughs> five zero. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. It felt, it felt like a Tigers game getting out of the MCG, so, like... Wow. You're mind-blowing. I, I am. Like, it must be kind of even more mind-blowing for you, because you, of course, you know, you're the MC of last year's strike, and with this strike, you know, you, of course, you, you, step, you step back a little bit from it, and why, why was that? Um, I think one of the things is we want to give it a fair share. Everyone has a voice and every, everyone wants to talk um, and we want to give as many students that opportunity as possible and I think I have established my legacy in a way. Um, I had a great time on the mic today. Um, what are they called? The you at this phone? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like screaming, have a great time at the front banner. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I like to be, screaming and shouting, jumping around. You know, MC's great, but I think other people enjoy the opportunity just as much as me. So how was it today, without that responsibility, just getting to watch and enjoy it? What did it feel like to you? Oh, um, I don't think I can put that into words. <laughs> without screaming? Yeah, without screaming. Um, overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. I felt as though I was just being crushed with waves of emotion. At one moment, I was thinking, wow, it's so frustrating why there's so many people, but at the same time I was thinking, this is spectacular this is unprecedented, you know, we've never had this kind of a global strike across the world, you know, students striking from school, um, and it's absolutely fantastic seeing that we're the generation who creates history, we're literally creating history, that's amazing to think, wow So imagine if we could channel all of the amazing energy here today in one room full of change making how does that sound? The strike is a fantastic way to pressure governments into doing what we need them to for a safe climate future. And this federal election, we want climate change to be number one on every single party's agenda. Is it? Is climate change the most important thing on every party's agenda for the upcoming federal election? Was the record-breaking school strike for climate successful? Did mobilizing 50,000 students onto the streets of Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, cities across Australia, across the world, was that enough to make a difference? The excitement was definitely there on the day, the ambition as well. The passion was out in force. But what's happened since March 15th? Any sign that this has been a turning point in the fight against climate change? that the worst-case scenario has been forestalled, stopped, or even slowed. A month after the strike, I caught up with Fatima Kidwai to talk about what the aftermath had been like for her, what she thought the results of the strike had been, and what needs to happen next. All right, so, Fama, we're, we're just walking down Swanson Street. We're on the way to the, uh, the West Melbourne Bowls Club for this... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just walking to the West Melbourne Bulls Club for this event from the Developers Circle. I don't know what to expect, but you're speaking on the panel, so it should be great. 
So it's been about a month now since the second school strike for climate. How have you felt in the, yeah, nearly month since then? Honestly, it kind of feels unbelievable. It feels pretty... Honestly, I have too many emotions to kind of summarize it in one sentence. Well, first... Take two. <laughs> okay. So, firstly, I'm pretty... I feel empowered. I, like, I can't believe that I was part of an organizing team that got 50,000 people to attend. It was like one of the biggest rallies in all of Australia. Like, it'll, it's probably down in history. And also, by the way, it, it beat Sydney by 20k people. <laughs> Yay! Yes! So, yeah, it just feels crazy that I can organize something that big and everyone did it together. And I made so many connections along the way. I met so many amazing, inspiring people. And everyone just learned from each other. But then at the same time, I'm, I'm disappointed because nothing's really happened on a larger scale. Like, this strike was global. It happened all over the world, in over a hundred countries. Yet, there's no major actions taken by the Australian government. And especially today, the news that broke out <laughs> about Adani being given the green light. It's, 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 it's very disappointing. But I'm not disappointed in the movement, I'm disappointed in the government. Even though this news is disappointing, I am still pumped up, I'm still happy with what we've done. And as I said at the rally, this is only the beginning, this is not the finale, and we're gonna carry on. And I'm just happy and excited to see what else we can do to ramp up the action and build off of this momentum. No, that's right. It was such a huge day, like, especially here, how we, ours happened kind of one of the first in the world had New Zealand go, and then us, and then over the next, like, 18 hours, it seemed, you could just watch the rest of the world striking, which is incredible. And then, yeah, to have, you know, sadly, of course, with the Christchurch shooting, kind of just straight away overshadowing such a positive, inspiring, really just, like, amazing people power moment. And actually, um, New Zealand had to evacuate their strike because of the shooting as well. So it ruined their day as well. And it was just, it was really horrible to, because for me, we had finished the strike and everyone was really happy and ready to celebrate. And you know, everyone's just throwing around jokes. So guys, we saved the world, what's next? <laughs> um, and then someone just said, hey, did you guys hear about the shooting? And we're like, oh my gosh, it's just, it was so disappointing. And yeah, it was just really bad. It's going to be one of those moments you're going to, like, uh, seriously talking to some yeah, Kiwi friends of mine who live over here as well, and we'll remember sort of where we were when we heard that news. You know, for, for your generation, you know, 10 years younger than me, it's like, I remember, of course, where I was exactly in 9-11, yeah. and now I'm going to remember forever where I was when I heard about the Christchurch shootings, and I was just turning off of Russell, back up Burke Street, looking back at the Parliament building, and I was talking to... Tejapala Rawls, who was himself a Kiwi. We actually went to the same high school in New Zealand in the small world category. And I thought he was joking at first when he said, do you hear about the mosque shooting in Christchurch? And I said, 
No, that, that can't happen. Of course, this is a big tangent, but of course, it's, it sort of did that for the day as well. Like, do you feel that the lack of action by the, the Australian government specifically, were they kind of let off the hook a bit because of that happened and that diverted attention? Or even if that hadn't have happened, would they still not have listened? Nah, I think even if that hadn't happened, they wouldn't have done anything. I think they, in a way, you could say got lucky because people's attention diverted from this global event to that tragedy. So not everyone was able to focus on their actions. But yeah, no, I think your response would have been the same either way. That, of course, hasn't stopped you from going on from the strike on to to quite big and amazing things. So where are you now? You've recently started studies... You're at uni now. What else is going on? Uh, <laughs> actually, I happened to score a job just a couple days ago. I'm working at Democracy in Color. So Democracy in Color is this organization that basically fight for social and economic issues, uh, specifically for people of color. And it's an organization run by people of color. And it's just, they have campaigns, anti-discrimination campaigns, and other campaigns to really empower people of color and make them realize that they have poten- they have so much potential if they just believe in themselves. And yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm the election lead. So basically, they are ha- holding a campaign in the electorate of Latrobe in Melbourne because it's a marginal seat by 3.5%, which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, it's just my job until the elections to hopefully change that <laughs> for the better. And yeah, sorry, I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> we are going up on a hill. We are drinking bubble tea. And I have asked Fatima for a lot of words. So in her defense, I'm a little out of breath after saying just that. <laughs> We've had two school strikes and the numbers massively built the first to the second. There was straight away talk of a third, but in the spirit of keeping the school strike, the school student-led and organized affair, will you be part of that organizing committee for the third installment in the trilogy of school strike for climate? I will not be. I will be taking a step back from school strike because I am a uni student now. I am no longer a school student, so I will leave it up to them to organize and everything. But of course, I will still be a supporter. And if anyone needs help or anything, I'll be right there. And the uni turnout seemed to be pretty incredible on the day. At least leading up to the day, I knew that there was a lot of letters of support, letters of solidarity, and then just outright showing up or canceling of classes by faculty at universities, at least around Melbourne. What was the kind of response that you saw from the both the university student the university faculty and the unions? So majority of the unions were so, so supportive of the strike. Like, NUW were so nice. They're the ones who ordered our posters. They placed an order of, like, over a thousand posters, which was so, so good. And they helped, that obviously helped with the campaign so much. And other organizations, such as GetUp, they funded the stickers that went around, which was so, so nice. And heaps of unions came to the strike, like, pledging their support, like, we are union or we are one, and, like, just banners and 
they came together as a group, which was really, really nice to see. Unis, so Uni of, Uni of Sid, actually, they sent out an email to their whole staff and all the students saying, if you want to attend the strike, you will not be penalized, both staff and students. And they even said in the email that at like 10 in the morning, everyone's meeting up at this time, feel free to go ahead and go with the group. So that was absolutely amazing. And actually at my uni, Monash, a lot of lectures got canceled. <laughs> a lot of sick lecturers that day for some reason. It's really weird. It's like there was something in the water. Yeah, they were, I think they were just sick of climate change, uh, inaction on climate change, right? <laughs> Let's hope that's contagious. <laughs> but no, it was really amazing to see that um, Monash canceled a lot of lectures. I know that Melbourne Uni didn't, and they actually sent out an email to the students saying, if you missed out on work, we're not going to help you catch up. Like, you miss out, you miss out. So obviously they were not super supportive, but yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of put that in the hostile category, to be honest. Like, isn't it the uni's job to prepare you for real life? And when a social movement like that is happening, isn't like being able to respond to it kind of part of being an uh, adult and in society, you'd think? Exactly, and it's like you go... Everything that we learn about the climate, about what's going on, you learn it from uni. Mm. You learn it from school. Mm. And then they're getting mad that you're actually doing something about it, which doesn't make sense to me. So feel free to not answer this, and this can be cut out completely, but I noticed on the day while I was there at the school strike that, you know, there's quite a few members of the, I'm not sure if it's a socialist party or just agitators for socialism in general. I'm not sure what their platform was, but they seemed to be in rather heated dialogue with some of the kind of adult helpers there from AYCC, from GetUp. And they were being, I thought, very politely asked to kind of stop hijacking things, for lack of a better word. Now that you're kind of out of it, is that something that you know, you're, you're able to talk about or... Is it kind of useful at all to talk about? Because this is something to be on the lookout for in future, right? So basically we had a document outlining where every union or like organization, like what they do at the strike. So we didn't want other people giving out flyers and posters hmm. at the day of the strike because we wanted, to, we wanted it to be centered around the strike. And a lot of the socialist um, movements, they agreed. But then on the day of the strike, they didn't listen. And we also asked people not to put up stalls, but they did. So that was just something we were taking care of on the day because they should have stuck to their word. It's not a statement of support or condemnation. It's just like a, a, a best practices guide and saying like that wasn't best practice. Like yeah. if you had told the rules, follow the rules, especially when it's a school student led strike. Yeah, it was just that we, we plan, it took months to plan it. As I said, like it was student-based, so we just didn't want anything. Like, there's heaps of other events you could do that. You can you can promote your stuff at, but this school strike, like in history, there's I don't think there's ever been a whole protest led by students. Usually, when you go to a rally, you don't see young people, but this one was so different. It's it was the first of its kind, and so yeah, we just didn't want anything to distract from that narrative. Now that it's kind of in the rearview mirror a little bit, thank you for doing it. And, like, 
you know, thank you for being able to share your thoughts about it and also just be be kind of straight up with the fact that it is it is complicated now you're looking back at it and it's kind of hard to unpack what it meant and how you feel but but all in all you know if there is someone out there listening who could potentially step up and be the next organizer be the next speaker the next rock star of the next climate strike what what would you say to them like what would you say to yourself 6 months ago um honestly just do what you want like don't like take other people's opinions into account of course be inclusive but ultimately if you have an idea just go for it you don't need anyone's approval that's how this movement came to be like for example with the logo i i was pretty annoyed that we didn't have like consistency across all social media platforms and then i was just like you know what i'm going to tell everyone um hey guys i think we should have a logo and everyone agreed and then no one did anything i was like okay i'll do something and then i got in contact with a graphic designer came up with something and now it's used nationwide <laughs> and then we carried on to design posters for every um state stickers tote bags badges everything and so yeah literally if you want to do something just do it you just follow your gut feeling and be creative think outside the box don't like you don't need to follow what other people did in the past just do your own thing it's perfect thank you fama no worries <laughs> so i would love to tie this all up in a very neat little bow and say here was the impact of the school strike but of course that kind of clarity knowing what the school strike was able to accomplish that's only going to become clear years down the road this could have been the start of a turning point for society these school strikes could have been the moment where society started to change to treat climate change as the existential threat that it is or it might not have been at the moment i don't know politically here in australia it doesn't look like there's been a clear-cut response positively to the school strike there's been condemnation and equivocation from the sitting government there's been some support from the main opposition which unfortunately hasn't carried on to any serious action so the results of the school strike and australia's trajectory going forward really does come down to our federal election happening here in just a few weeks time the school students have more than done their part they've raised their voices they've raised the issue they've said very clearly what they need to ensure a safe future it's now up to the voters This will largely be Climactic's pre-federal election episode, but I can't think of better messengers for the message that this has to be the climate election than the students themselves, than the speakers like Fatima, than the candidates standing as climate leaders like Oliver Yates, than the religious and faith leaders like Kejapala Rawls, the members of the community like Breyer from AYCC, like Chloe, and I hope that all of us spending our time and efforts over the next few weeks trying our best to ensure a good result in this election for the sake of the future remember the message from the pacific community who bravely stood and told the truth that our actions here in developed countries like australia with the highest per capita greenhouse emissions in the world are putting their lives directly at risk that our actions are raising the seas and flooding their homes but i appreciate so much their courage and bravery in standing to say we are not drowning we are fighting and i hope that all of you listening will join me in fighting as well because this is an inflection point this is a crossroads these are climactic times 
and our actions matter. On a lighter note, we're getting support from a very unexpected corner. What up, world? It's your boy. Just one of the guys down here. Well, I could be more specific. Uh, I'm a human. And I uh, just wanted to, you know, for the sake of all of us Earthlings out there, just wanted to say... Mainstream society and figures from the entertainment industry are starting to raise their voices about climate change. You may have already heard this song before. Since it's released two days before Earth Day, it's already racked up tens of millions of YouTube views. Now, it may be a strange twist of fate if a comedy rapper called Little Dicky is able to open society's eyes where Tim Flannery, Bob Brown, George Monbiot, Greta Thunberg have all tried before. But I, for one, am really glad we now have a blockbuster anthem for the climate crisis. And I think it's directly linked to the success and the courage of the school strikers. And now the rest is up to us. So here on Climactic, we're not affiliated with any particular political group. We are an independent production. But you won't be surprised at all to hear, we urge you to vote as a climate voter. Make this the climate election and to honor the work and sacrifice of the school strikers, and to not let those efforts be made in vain. I've been your host, Mark Spencer. This has been episode 54 of Climactic. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another story. Keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. Honestly, everybody, scientists are saying that we have about 12 years to turn this environmental crisis around or we're screwed. What do you say? You guys want to save the world? Of course you do. Go to the website, learn how we're going to do it. This has been a production of Climactic, a podcast collective helping local communities tell their extraordinary stories. It's our mission to help elevate the voices of the everyday heroes we're surrounded by and inspire, sustain, and motivate the climate community. We love working with local environmental groups, individuals, nonprofits, and social enterprises. So if you've got a story to tell, please just get in touch. The Climactic Collective is Mark Spencer, Rich Bowden, Maxine Baisley, Georgia Scheel, and Bronwyn Gresham. Our producer is Hazel Fidicaro. Our digital design is by Rose Fidicaro. Our Climactic theme is produced by Greg Grassi, and our logo designed by Abigail Hawkins. We're also pleased to feature the music of the General Assembly. Thank you for listening to Climactic, the podcast for our climactic times. Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio.